Hi, I'm Maria Theoharis or Velosos, and you're listening to Socialist Podcast on So Organised Style. Stay listening. So Organised Style Podcast acknowledges traditional owners of country throughout Australia. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the Elders past, present and emerging. Today on Socialist Podcast, you're going to meet Megan, who you'll know as the Green Violet Online. Megan has done some extensive work on size ranges offered by patent companies, and that's what she's here to talk about, because this is a really good piece of work for the sewing community. Thank you. Welcome, Megan, to Socialist Podcast. Thanks, Maria. It's great to be here and to finally talk to you. I think I've been following your blog for way more than 10 years, probably. (laughs) I've done the same with yours. You've done some amazing work and it's great that you share it with the sign community. Oh, thanks. You know, I try to. I know it's a good resource and your blog was a great resource for me when I was starting to sew. What I really liked was that you were sewing, posting about sewing a lot of activewear. And when, whenever that was, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, almost no one else was talking about that. So, you know, you were a great resource for me. It's, and it's, I like to, yeah, pass that along, try and be a resource for other people as they're beginning. Oh, thanks, Megan. That's really lovely to hear. Where can people find you online? You know, I do have a blog. It's thegreenviolet.com. I have not been posting much there in the last, I don't know, pandemic or so, I guess it's, um, you know, it's just really hard to do anything these days. So I'm much more active on Instagram under the same name, the green violet. I have some older posts on the curvy sewing collective also, and that's it. That you can remember. I'm sure that your fans out there will remember for you. Sure. Yeah. So maybe so. What's your main craft? My main craft is definitely garment sewing. That's just what I've always been the most interested in and worked on the most. I've done some other other stuff like, you know, embroidery or occasional quilting. That's like baby quilts for friends when they have babies. And then I sew one and I say never again. And then, you know, maybe a year later, I get the itch to sew a quilt again. So uh, my main craft is definitely garment sewing. And where did you learn how to sew? I learned from my mom who learned from her mom. And we never sewed a lot of garments growing up, but I did know how to use a sewing machine. And, you know, I can't really remember what we sewed other than I do distinctly remember sewing in maybe seventh grade, a cat pillow in my home economics class. And I think my mom still has that somewhere around the house. I learned to sew from her and I've sewn a little bit here and there over the years, but I didn't really get into garment sewing until maybe about 10 years ago. So what prompted you to go back to sewing? You know, one of the things that really prompted me to sew is that I've always been plus size and I've always been right at the top of the size range that you can find in a lot of stores in the mall, popular stores, stuff like that. So growing up, I was like a 14 or 16. Now I'm more like a size 24. So I've always had the desire to sew because I was really not able to buy the clothes that I was looking for. The options used to just be so limited. There's a lot more plus size ready to wear clothing out there now, but the options used to be really limited. And I am a geologist and I you know, do things like ski and raft and buying those clothes was just not possible. 
So I think my dream in getting into sewing garments was always to make those types of clothes that I had a hard time finding to buy. However, it's taken me a long time to get there, but I think I'm finally there, which is a good feeling. And I think probably at that time when you started to sew again, you know, for outdoor wear, if that's what you're describing. Yeah. I mean, I sew a lot of, you know, I sew all sorts of garments, but that's was sort of my driver was that outdoor wear. Yeah. And I think at probably at the time when you started down that path, it may have been a bit more difficult to find the type of fabric that you would need as well. I think that's true. I didn't try and sew anything really technical until I sewed some ski pants last year. I was very intimidated. And as you know, there's very few patterns in any sizes, much less in plus sizes available for that type of stuff. But I've sewn a lot of Jolly or Jaylee, which one is it? (laughs) See, I say Jolly. So we'll just give them all the names. Okay. I've sewn a lot of jelly patterns when I first started sewing. And I I think a lot of that probably was inspired by your blog, to be honest, because I remember you sewed a lot of their patterns. I did. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of those I did have to grade up, but just, uh, you know, minimally. So it wasn't a huge deal when I was a beginner. And instead of sewing them out of the type of fabric you might see in ready to wear, I made them out of a lot of like you know, just polyester, lycra, spandex, Mm -hmm. a bathing suit fabric or something like that. For a lot of cases, though, that worked pretty well. But there are a lot more technical fabrics on the market now, which is really exciting. The fact that those fabrics are now available, you and I have better skills to be able to make the best from them. That's right. Yeah. If they had been available 10 years ago, I probably would have just wasted a lot of money. Exactly. Same here. Yeah, definitely. Megan, tell us about your experience with pattern size ranges. Yes, I learned to sew when I was a kid, as I mentioned earlier, but I didn't sew a lot of clothing and I was really intimidated by that process a bit. I think it just isn't something that was taught. My mom had some familiarity with it from her mother, but she didn't do it a lot. So it didn't seem really accessible to me, I guess. I felt like I had learned how to use the sewing machine and cut things out and pin things and all those steps. But the process of actually using a pattern was a little bit intimidating to me, not to mention when I was growing up, really, you know, only big four patterns were available, right? Exactly. They've made some improvements, but the styling was never that appealing. So while I had this idea in my head about what sewing clothing could potentially be, Mm. I had a hard time connecting it with maybe what was available. Like we were just talking about the patterns that were available or the fabrics that were available didn't necessarily connect. But I do remember a dress my mom made me for a dance my junior year. That was really fun. My grandmother actually made all the formal dresses for my cousin who lived nearer to her than I did. And I was always really jealous. So that idea of custom clothing always really appealed to me. I just felt like I had a big hurdle to get over to get there and a a bigger hurdle because of my sizing and patterns not really being available. So I do remember coming home one summer when I was in college and wanting to sew something really badly. So my mom helped me with the pattern. We went to Joanne's and picked it out. But in hindsight, there was a lot she didn't know and I didn't know that she didn't know and she didn't teach me and all that. I think it was probably around 2003. And if there were any indie patterns available on the market, then we didn't know about them. It was, you know, only big four patterns then as far as I knew, maybe you remember when those indie patterns started coming on the market. It's been an explosion for the last eight years. Jolly has been around for a long time, right? Mm, But yeah, yeah, this was maybe 20 years ago. And so, you know, went to Joanne's and bought that big four pattern. 
We followed the directions to a great level of detail. So I ended up with a stiffly interfaced bodice on what was supposed to be sort of like an easy, breezy, bohemian tiered mm-hmm. dress because we followed the interfacing directions and Aww. we fully lined it and it was just really stiff. And then of course it was too small because I was a size 16 and we cut the size 16 because there was just no education sort of on taking your measurements and the size 16 on the pattern doesn't relate to the size 16 you're buying from the, you know, I was a size 16 at like the gap or wherever we were buying clothes in 2003. That was not the pattern size. I would have been in, you know, the simplicity pattern or whatever it was. Fortunately, it was designed to be an oversized dress. So I did wear it a bit, but it just didn't fit as intended. And I think that experience really put me off sewing patterns for a while. And in fact, it actually was like 10 more years until I really got back into sewing in earnest, even though that whole time I was really desiring to sew, I was just unsure where to start. Exactly. Like I said earlier, I'd been following sewing blogs for a long time and yours was one of them. And since 2003 to when I really started sewing again, or really started sewing, I guess, in earnest, I saw a lot of the indie pattern companies, you know, starting to pop up, right? But I I was really aware that I was not in their size range. And I know that put me off sewing garments for even longer than I would have waited otherwise. You know, I remember seeing those first Colette patterns come out and those first green line patterns come out, but there was no information out there about how to upsize a pattern to fit me. You know, it was really hard to get information. So I did sew a few things here and there. In the meantime, I remember sewing some stuff by hand in my dorm room in college, this like skirt out of an embroidered fabric that I just wore to death. And the waistband was a drawstring with yarn in it. But I guess that's what it works. I guess that's what college is for. So anyway, what really pushed me into actually getting over sort of my fears and these hurdles was that I bought a vintage 1920s-ish dress on eBay and it was sheer and I needed a slip. And of course, but of course, you know, finding a slip is kind of hard. I feel like maybe they're, I'm seeing them pop up a little bit more frequently, but it was really hard. This was maybe eight, 10 years ago. And especially in plus sizes, I just wasn't finding one. So I had been watching the Colette patterns gain popularity there. I released several at that time. Maybe they had like five patterns out or something. And they actually had one of the larger size ranges back then. You know, Seamwork does now too. They're doing a great job. So they went up to, I think, an 18 back then. So I decided to give that vintage slip pattern they had a go. I do not remember what it was called. I don't think I really finished it. I know I didn't hem it. I think I had just like pinned the straps on, but I did get it done enough to wear to a Halloween party. And at that point I was like, okay, I can do this. I'm ready. Let's, let's sew. Good. After that, I think I attempted that tank top pattern from Grainline Studio that is also out of print. I think they've replaced that with a newer pattern. And I also, after that, made the Scout tee. Again, those patterns both stopped out at a size 18. So I was trying to size them up with very few resources. I I really didn't know what I was doing. And honestly, they were a disaster, but I did still wear them and just slowly built up my skills from there. But, you know, I want to point out, I had to grade up every single pattern I sewed until Cashmere came on the market, which was a couple years later. So 
I did get good at grading at patterns, but I'm really glad that not everyone has to do that anymore. Yeah, slowly over a few years, a few more inclusively sized patterns came onto the market, but it wasn't really until 2019, after a lot of advocacy work by plus size sewists, that a lot of pattern companies began to expand their sizes. And I'm so pleased that we're at the point now, two years later, that a lot of companies have made strides in expanding their sizes. Some have fully upgraded all their patterns, but others are still working on it. But certainly a lot more of us have the luxury of not having to grade up every pattern we sell. Of course, size ranges could be bigger, but I think we're moving in the right direction. Back when I started sewing, if you had a 50 inch hip, you could essentially not buy a pattern in your size. So I'm really pleased to say that now beginners with up to a 60 inch hip have a lot of options to choose from, or at least a lot more options to choose from. And we still do have a long way to go for those of us that have larger than 60 inch hips, but I am seeing more pattern companies come on the scene to accommodate that, such as Muna and Broad. The reason you're here is because you're doing a piece of work where you're created a list where patent companies who offer plus size ranges are available for people to then go and look for patterns. So as I mentioned before, back in 2019, we had a big and ongoing discussion on Instagram where myself and a lot of my other fellow plus size sewists spent a lot of time and quite frankly, a lot of emotional energy telling our stories about what it was like to be in a sewing community that didn't seem to value us. A lot of pattern companies were resistant to increasing their size ranges, and at that point, rather than create a list to sort of shame these companies or call them out, I just thought it would be more helpful and more productive to create a resource for my fellow plus-size sewists. So at that point, I crowdsourced suggestions from Instagram. I had all sorts of plus-size sewists send me their favorite pattern companies that accommodated their bodies, and... I did make sure to go and vet them by checking everyone's website, checking their size ranges, and making sure that I felt that they had a good size range. I mean, I did get a lot of suggestions that were for very bad size ranges, and they probably were not from actual plus size sewists. So I wanted to make sure and go and check that because that was the whole point was to do that work so every plus size sewist doesn't have to do it for themselves every time they're checking out a new pattern company. So my criteria at that point was a 50 inch hip. My hip is my largest size when I'm looking at a size chart. So I decided to use that as the constraint. And at that point, a 50 inch hip was quite generous. Like a lot of pattern companies were not meeting that as a bare minimum. Before then, a lot of company, a lot of the really popular companies that everyone sews and knows their name for were stopping at a 46 and 48 inch hip. And a lot of them were just squeaking in at 50 and did make the list or like 50.5 or something. Okay. So I'm happy to say things have improved. I just updated the list again at the beginning of the year. And it was great that I was actually able to break the sizing into two groups. So now I have a group for 50 to 60 inch hips and then group that is 60 and above. And then I actually have, I made two hopefully user-friendly things you can screenshot that are that 50 to 60 and then 60 and above. And you can, you know, screenshot the one that applies to you. On my blog, I have more detailed lists and they're broken down into smaller sections. So you can really target exactly what size range you're maybe looking for. And on my blog, I also have the bust and waist sizes listed because I know for a lot of people, the bust size is their sort of constraining measurement. When I listed the bust, 
if a company had cup sizes, I use their largest cup size as their largest. If they had go to a G cup or something, then I use the measurement for the G cup as the size in my chart. It makes sense to me. Hopefully it makes sense to listeners. And I'm sure that listeners who are really interested in getting this information, it definitely would make sense to them. Yes, I hope so. Yeah. I wanted to add that it was really great when I was updating this list this year to see how many of the companies that made promises back in 2019 have followed through on them. You know, some, like I said, have upgraded their entire pattern catalog and some have just gotten started. And I know there's different companies of different sizes with different resources available to them. So it's just nice to see people moving in the right direction. And I also thought, funnily enough, a lot of companies that were silent or kind of even insultingly resistant to increasing their sizes in 2019 have since increased their sizes. I guess we're, we're making progress whether people wanted to or not. That's a really good outcome, you know, two years down the track to see that there is an increase in patterns mm-hmm. available. Definitely. At the time when you started this list, were you getting your information from SOAS as opposed to now you're getting information from the patent companies? When I started, I did get the information mostly from SOAS and just from my knowledge. And my knowledge now is much worse than it used to be. There's so many pattern companies. Two years ago, I could tell you almost all the independent pattern companies just off the top of my head, probably. I was following it so closely. Now I've started learning more about drafting and I've been drafting a lot of my own patterns, which has checked me out a little bit more from the indie pattern world. And then also there must be five times as many pattern companies or something like that. It's really a lot. So I was really reliant this time, especially on crowdsourcing. Alex at a different stitch on Instagram sent me a list she pulled together of specifically beginner friendly plus size pattern companies. I combined that with Yes. So she has, she has a list of that on her Instagram stories. I don't think she has a blog. And so I used that list that she sent me, combined it with my list from 2019. And then I think I did put the call out to people on my Instagram for more suggestions. I don't think I got a ton of new ones from that and combined those added some companies that I knew that weren't on either list that had since expanded, maybe people I pattern tested for and stuff like that and pulled that list together. So I did want to say that I should point out my list is not at all comprehensive. It is, I like to say it's, it's my list. I don't have the best memory for stuff, but there are some companies that might meet the requirements on this list, but I have not included because of how they acted back in 2019. I just haven't gotten over it yet. And I decided this is my list. You know, if they insulted me, then I, I don't have to put them on my list. Or mm-hmm. if, you know, unbelievably, this discussion is still coming up every six months or so. So Some companies are still putting their foot in their mouth over this, and they don't need to go on my list either, in my opinion. But there's also a lot of companies I've left off by accident. Don't assume that if I don't have a company on my list, it's on purpose. They've done something horrible. It's just that I simply have not captured everyone, and I know I haven't. So I did want to point out a couple more resources. One being um, Jess at Fat Bob and Girl. She does a plus size pattern roundup every week. And that's a great place to go to look for more information and inspiration. I've also seen something pop up on Instagram recently. I think it's Curvy Pattern Database. I have not checked it out thoroughly, but I know, I think they're working on keeping a list of plus size pattern companies also. So there's actually a lot more resources out there. So Megan, When you were updating the list recently, how many hours of work did you put into that? 
Oh, <laughs> wow. I don't know. I really wanted to format it to be user-friendly. The first time it took me a long time because I was vetting every pattern company and I didn't put the time into making it more user-friendly. That initial list is still on my blog from 2019. And it is just like the name of the pattern company with, I think, a link to their pattern company. I don't even think I had any sizing information other than everyone meets my requirement of greater than 50 inch hip. This time it took a lot longer, but a lot of it was going back and pulling the size ranges for those pattern companies I hadn't done the first time, putting those in. I will say Alex at a different stitch did like half the work because she sent me a lot of sizes for the pattern company she had already pulled together for her list. Then I'm trying to format it so it was, this is not my strong suit, but I'm trying to learn more about some of the stuff is format it so it looks good on the blog, but also was something I could post on Instagram and something that people could screenshot and maybe keep on their phone if they're out shopping, whatever. Or if they're looking at Instagram and see a pattern company come by, you know, they can check and see if it's on the list. I don't know, maybe, wow, it's hard to say how long that took me. I would venture to say like 10 hours, but that sounds absurd, but it may have. (laughs) It actually may have taken longer than that. And that's the point I wanted to get to is this resource that you've developed isn't just information that you've received, you've had assistance. So it's their time that's gone into this. Mm-hmm. Your knowledge yes. of plus size patterns and what you would like to see there has all gone into that. So it's hours, it's time, it's effort, and it's more than one person that's gone into this list. Definitely. Yes. Uh, yeah. A lot of people provided information to me, so many more than I can name, especially the first time around. Yep. You know, you asked if pattern companies were providing me with information and I'll say pattern companies are trying to provide me with information, but that's not necessarily where I want to get it. The first time around, I had a ton reach out to me and want to be included on the list. This last time, not quite as many, Mm -hmm. but definitely people that seemed really put out that I had not included them on the list. And it's like, it's not my fault if your patterns haven't crossed my radar. That's on your marketing and, you know, you getting the word out to plus size sewists that your patterns are now available in larger sizes. I mean, all the time I stopped following pattern companies. You know, I used to follow these pattern companies because no one was making patterns my size. And I'm still unfollowing those people as they show that they're not going to increase their size range. That's fair enough because you're the buyer. Right, exactly. Yeah. Why waste my time on, you know, following their feed if they don't want my money? (laughs) Is this what's prompted you to start your own pattern designs? You know, I think what's prompted me to learn about pattern drafting was that whole sort of story I told about not having patterns in my size for so long. And I really got the idea in my mind early on that I wanted to learn more about pattern drafting simply because I was having to grade patterns up and then also trace between sizes, blend the sizes, you know, make other adjustments. And I just thought, I don't think everyone needs to learn pattern drafting. A lot of home sewists don't have any interest in it, but it just sort of clicked in my brain as something I was really interested in. Not saying everyone needs to be, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, but Because I started from a point of feeling like I would need to learn that eventually if I really wanted to make the clothes I wanted to wear. It's taken me so long to be able to find the time with my full-time work schedule, to be able to take those classes. I work for state government. I had to wait for the administration to change so that we could get more flexible schedules in place. I mean, it was just a lot of factors 
So it took me a long time to finally get to the point where I could start taking classes. And that was about a year and a half ago. But, you know, it was something I'd been wanting to do for so long that even though I now don't necessarily feel like it's necessary because there are more patterns in my size, it was still like this long held desire to really learn more about pattern drafting. And I'm lucky that there is a community college or I know community college is kind of U.S. terms, but, you know, a small college, I guess, funded by local government to some extent that is, that offers a fashion design program. It's the only one in the state and it's within driving distance from me, though not super close. It's an hour away. So I I feel lucky to have that resource available and to have been able to take advantage of it while working full-time. That's a lot to take on when you are working full-time and thankfully you, you do have more flexible hours so you can do that. It's been nice to be able to take those classes. You know, it's so, I'm like, you know, 15 years into a geology career, it's been really nice to have a break to think about something different and use my brain in a different way. It's been really refreshing. So anyone who's thinking about it in the back of their mind or considering it, I definitely, if you have the time and the resources, I would definitely recommend it. So what are your goals for this year? Oh, wow. I'm not a goal setter. All right. So Megan, in your mind, when you, I'm saying when, not if, when you release your patterns, what what were the first three patterns? patterns be that you would love to release? Oh, wow, Maria. Yeah, this is a a goal of mine. I've hinted around for a long time on my Instagram and I'm working on it slowly. I don't want anyone to get too excited, but I would really like to focus on outdoors wear type, not outerwear, but outdoors wear gear type patterns. However, though I drafted that ski pants pattern for myself, I can't even imagine illustrating the instructions for that. So that one is not coming anytime soon. I would say what I'm working on is locking in my leggings block and my t-shirt block. Those are two things I really want to get nailed down and then can go from there and make some variations on those. Patterns I'm dreaming of in my mind are like some, some leggings that have some features for hiking, not just your yoga leggings, but more pockets or no inseam so you don't have chafing, some stuff like that. And also a tunic for hiking in, but like t-shirt, but with a few more features, you know, I'm so this is something, I mean, everyone's seen what I've been posting on my Instagram recently that I've self-drafted. And these are all things that are, I'm thinking of and are circulating in my mind in terms of patterns I could release one day, but I'm very much still building the skill set to be able to do that. I think that'd be really exciting. And the fact that, okay, T-shirts and leggings are an everyday item that make people's life a whole lot comfortable. Yes, I think it's something we need in the pandemic now. And also the more I'm learning, the more challenging I'm realizing it would be to try and release, say, a hiking pants pattern, you know, right off the bat, right? That there's, That's going to be a more unique fit to my body versus other people's bodies. And then obviously so many more pattern pieces. So the instructions will be so much longer. So that's more of a long-term goal for sure. Even though I have the pattern, you know, I made the pattern for myself this fall and I wear those pants all the time and I love them. I still need to do a lot of, you know, development to make it something I can release to the sewing community. I'm telling you right now, once you do release (laughs) your patterns one day, it's not an if, it's a when, they'll love it. Uh, thanks, Maria. I hope so. And I do feel like it's a gap 
that was in the sewing pattern world, you know, when I started sewing and it really is still there. There are a few people making active wear patterns, but I can't think of like a hiking pants pattern specifically. There's definitely some pants patterns you could hack to be a hiking pant, but wouldn't it be nice if someone had already sorted out the pockets for you and, you know, all that stuff. You know, where the pockets are placed, if they're zippered, if they've got mesh, like that whole range of stuff that makes them so much more useful. Right. Definitely. Yes. A lot to think about, but there are some hiking pants fabrics on the market now. So that's really exciting. Yeah. As opposed to 20 years ago. Yes. (laughs) No luck there. Megan, from your experience, what can patent companies do to make their patents more accessible? Thanks, Maria. Yeah, I wanted to start by saying I'm I'm mostly speaking for myself here, okay? So I'm, I'm speaking for myself and I've added in some information I've gained just from talking to other plus size sewists in the community over the years, but I definitely can't speak for everyone. These are just sort of my opinions on what I'm seeing in patterns. And, and as we just discussed, I'm coming at this from a perspective of a plus size person, but also someone who's had some professional training and pattern drafting. So I think some of my suggestions may be a little more technical than ones you might get from other folks. So with that, I've got, I've taken some notes. I've got some things to suggest. First of all, when a pattern company is advertising their patterns, don't just list the sizes. You need to include measurements. List your measurements everywhere. List your maximum measurements and your minimum measurements everywhere. I personally don't even click over to a new pattern release if I see it on Instagram, unless I know the pattern's going to fit me. And the only way I know it's going to fit me is if you have your measurements there, right? I've just been disappointed too many times by something saying it went up to a size 30 and in reality being a size 20 and ready to wear or something like that. Mm -hmm. Size ranges are so disparate now that a size 30 from one designer and a 40 from another may have the same measurements. So for example, For example, I'm a 24 ready to wear in pants. I just looked at itch to stitches size chart and I'm a 36 in their bottoms. So that's a full 12 sizes bigger than I am in ready to wear. When it comes to listing their measurements, are you saying bust, waist, hips as the basics that you'd want to see? Yeah, I think so. That would be a great start. And then if you include cup sizes in your patterns, mention that. Ah, yes. And cup sizes. Yep. So another suggestion is that in terms of the size chart, always include your upper bust measurement. People need to decide if they're going to do a full bust adjustment, a small bust adjustment, any type of bust adjustment. People just need that information. And also including your finished measurements. As a plus size sewist, a lot of times I see issues with excessive ease as the patterns are graded up. But sometimes on the other hand, there's issue with too little ease in the upper sizes of a pattern, like maybe in the bicep or something like that. The more information we have as sewists, the better we can make a decision on what size to cut, right? And that's across the board, but I think it is especially relevant for plus size sewists, though it benefits everyone. Pattern designers don't include their grade rules in their pattern. So the only information we can use to determine if we think the pattern was graded appropriately is by looking at the finished measurements. It's all we've got. I've been burned too many times. I cannot trust your size chart. I'm sorry, (laughs) you know, XYZ pattern company. I need more information. 
Another suggestion I don't think I've seen a lot of designers do, but for me, it would be really helpful is to share what size in your size range your block was drafted for. So what size did you draft your block on? On a lot of straight size patterns, we can assume it was maybe an eight or a 10 or quite frankly, the pattern designer size. Probably a lot of the time they've drafted it for themselves. So when these straight size pattern designers are expanding into plus sizes, you can't make that assumption anymore. We don't know who they used as their fit model, if they used a dress form. So what I would like to know is, did you draft your plus size pattern on a size 16 and then grade it up to a 30? Or did you draft it on a size 26 and grade it up to a 30 and then down to a 16? Because I know, you know, the closer to my size you drafted the pattern, the better it's going to fit me. It is the way pattern drafting works. So I think that would be helpful information for Again, for people of any size, but especially for plus size sewists. That makes perfect sense because you've got the proportions there if you're grading it up on a larger size to start off with. Yes, for sure. It helps you know which proportions and how similar that person, you know, the the fit model's body is to yours. Another suggestion is show the patterns on plus size people if you can. I know it's COVID. A lot of people are, I saw By Hand London released a pattern today and they had to take photos on their siblings, because those are the only people, you know, they can be in contact with right now. And I totally get that. But when possible, photograph your patterns on a wide range of sizes and do them the same favor you do your smaller models and make sure that garment actually fits them and is styled appropriately to your aesthetic. I often see people just really botch that plus size photo shoot. I can think of a few designers whose plus size models are probably and they're size 14 or 16, and the fit on their modeled photos is really bad. So to me, that's a huge red flag. If they can't fit their size 16 model, how are they going to fit their size 30? To me, that's something to look out for. And if the pattern designer doesn't have the awareness that that pattern doesn't fit their model appropriately, then I don't even know what to say. (laughs) You know how? That's a red flag? Yeah, it's just a red flag. How's that going to translate to fitting, you know, the pattern to your body? If you don't have your full pattern range in your full size range, so you haven't finished grading all your patterns up to your new size range, on your website, please make it easy for plus size folks to find which patterns are in your larger size range. Put it on a separate page so I don't have to click on all the cute patterns that aren't in my size and sort through those to find the three that are in my size. It just is a user experience thing to me. Mm-hmm. It's really frustrating when you assume a pattern company has all their patterns up to size 30 and, and they don't, and then you can't figure out which ones actually are. Make your size chart easy to find. This goes back to when I was compiling the plus size pattern list. I had pattern companies who were suggested to me and I went on their website and I could not find their size charts. The first one I went to, I probably wasted five minutes looking for it. And then I was like, okay, done. I'm going to click on one pattern, see if the size chart's there. I'm going to click on their FAQs and I'm going to click on their about us. If I can't find your size chart, then you're not on my list. It's too, it's too hard. You know, I can't waste 15 minutes finding everyone's size chart or messaging back the person who suggested that pattern to me to see if they have their size chart because they bought one of their patterns or something like that. It doesn't make the patterns accessible to a lot of people. It shows that they've only ever gone to a pattern website and said, oh, of course I'll fit in this pattern company's size range. It's no understanding of someone else's experience. I always go to a pattern company's website and wonder whether or not I'll fit in their size range. So I need to find your size chart really quickly. 
And you just said three places where the size chart should be linked to the pattern, the about us page and the FAQs. Simple as that. Yeah, I agree. And I quite frankly would like it like front and center on the landing page, but I know that's not what most people want their aesthetic to be. But if it was on your header is one of the tabs, I would be so pleased. In fact, I looked at an example or for me to, to share with folks in case they were wondering. This is Jennifer Lauren Handmade. I've actually never made their patterns, but they were suggested to me for the list. And when I went to their website to find their size chart, I was really impressed. So I wanted to sort of highlight what they've done. They have a page called the size guide. And it says clearly we're working on upgrading our patterns over the next year. They have their two size ranges. They kind of explain how they're drafted for different body types and they show which cup sizes they have. The other thing they have is that on their front page, their pull down menu is, you know, it's like dresses, blouses, pants, and then it's cup size patterns. And then it's their curvy range patterns. So you can go through there and you can sort by only the patterns that come in cup sizes, if that's what you're interested in, or you can sort by only the patterns that are in their curvy range and you don't have to sift through all the other patterns. I thought they were doing a really good job. The only thing they didn't do is link that size guide on their front page, which I think would be a real winner. It's a really nice page, but you have to go to a pattern and then click a link to the size guide. So I think if more pattern companies had size guides really prominently displayed on their websites, it would be really awesome. This sounds like a good best practice example to go to as a starting point. I was impressed by there. So I thought I'd point it out. Speaking of cup sizes, I like to mention that as something that makes patterns more accessible. It's not something I personally need, but I know a lot of my fellow plus size friends do need that. And it's always appreciated whenever it's available. The next thing I wanted to point out, what this is not something I see people get wrong often, but it, it does happen occasionally, is that you need to be careful about how you're nesting your sizes as you grade them up. For one, most companies try and overlap maybe like a 14 or a 16 to a 20 or something like that. And that's nice so that people who span multiple sizes can decide they want to make the smaller size range or the larger size range. But another thing about how you're nesting your patterns as you grade them is that not all ways of nesting patterns allow you to easily grade between sizes. I've occasionally stumbled upon a I always, you know, I'm four different sizes basically between my bust and my hips and my shoulders. I occasionally I'll stumble upon a pattern where it's really hard to go between those sizes, trace and blend between those sizes because of how the pattern's laid out. Or maybe like the princess seam is not graded the same way as something on the back. It makes it really hard to trace between sizes. I think that's something to be mindful of when you're nesting your size range is to make sure that people can sort of blend between sizes easily. I think I've seen examples where you've got an 8, 12, 16 on one pattern and then 10, 14, 18. So it skips sizes. Right. Then people think it might be clearer to see which size, but then you can't blend between sizes, right? Which is true. You can see it really clearly. Yes. I guess it's a trade-off. It is. <laughs> Every pattern designer has to make. I would like to point out, don't draft your plus size block for a B cup. I don't think a lot of people are doing this, but we see it every once in a while. And there are definitely some plus size folks with smaller busts, but it's just not average. So I don't recommend that. Speaking of that, as someone who does not normally need a larger cup size, I personally would appreciate it if we had more pattern companies drafting for a variety of figures, either plus sized or not. 
The focus on the plus market has always been on bus size, which is great for a majority of folks, but not something I personally need. Years ago, you probably remember Soholic. Yes. They were drafting for smaller busts, larger head figure, and they released like three patterns in a larger size range, and then they went away. And I was so disappointed because I was never able to sew any of their patterns. So I'd really love to see a more variety in the types of figures we're drafting for. I think there's room for that. Different body shapes, different heights, all of that can be accommodated. That's why we have so many indie pattern companies out there. So Megan, where should listeners start from when it comes to finding accessible patterns based on the information that you've already given us? Sure. So as a plus size person who's been sewing my own wardrobe for 10 years, I'm sharing from my experience and also sharing some tips I picked up from teaching classes for beginners. Mm -hmm. I just want all the plus size beginners out there to know that if you are having problems with a pattern, it is not you, it's the pattern. Even if the pattern is drafted well, it may not have been drafted for your particular body. And a lot of pattern designers are new to drafting for larger sizes, so it could just be a poorly drafted pattern. There are plenty of those out there, and I wish I had known that when I started sewing clothing for myself. I always thought the pattern was right, and it was my problem, but that's just not always the case. There's literally no requirements or certifications required to draft a pattern and put it on the internet for people to buy. There's no gatekeepers there. Anyone can do it. And it would have saved me a lot of time wondering what was wrong with me rather than what was wrong with if I'd known that it could have just been an issue with the pattern. So I'm not saying this to scare people off. There's a ton of great patterns out there, but I just want to encourage people to think critically about patterns, even from the beginning, even as a beginner, use those critical thinking skills you have from your job or elsewhere in life and apply it to sewing. So if something seems wrong to you, it probably is, you know, if it looks too small or if it looks way too big, trust your instinct. So as a plus size person first getting into sewing, I would suggest you do a little research and read some reviews before purchasing your first pattern. Check out Instagram and blogs to see what other plus size folks are sewing. I always recommend to pattern companies that do have their full line in a plus size range and they have very different styles and they also have great beginner patterns. And I'm sure you can guess who those are. It's Muna and Broad and Cashmerette. With their different options, I think a lot of folks will find something that appeals to them. And hopefully you'll be able to start on your sewing journey with something you want to sew and something that fits you, which is really empowering. So for more non-binary or masculine styles, you can check out Friday Pattern Company or LB Textiles. I will just throw in the caveat that I have not tried either of their patterns yet. I, I would like to, I just haven't gotten around to it. And I also don't think either company has all their patterns in the full range of sizes. Two other companies I like to recommend that I personally sew a lot are SBCC patterns and True Bias patterns. Again, neither company has their full pattern line in their full size range, but I can personally vouch that for me, their drafting is great. It fits me well, and it's also just good drafting. Pattern pieces fit together well, instructions make sense, and I've had good luck with those two companies. The other thing I wanted to say is don't be put off by pattern sizes. Please, please, please watch some videos on how to take your measurements first and go off your measurements. This is advice I'd give anyone when they're starting to sew, you know, of any size. But it's especially relevant to plus size sewists because 
many pattern company sizes are really different from ready to wear. I don't know about your experience, Maria, but I would say this would be my guess. A person who buys a size eight in ready to wear might sew a 10 or a 12 in sewing, like maybe a couple sizes up. Yeah, it depends on the pattern company. So you're right. You need to understand how to measure yourself and then see what the pattern is offering you. And even as you know, when you teach people, measure the pattern, the pieces. Mm -hmm. Yeah, measure the pattern pieces if they have not given you those finished garment sizes. And just to really drive home that point about not being put off by the sizes on the pattern, I just want to say, you know, I'm a 20 in my bust and a 24 on my bottom half in ready to wear. And I often sew pattern sizes of 26 up to like 34 or 36. It's just, it's not consistent. Don't place value on the size of the pattern. Just go from your measurements. And don't worry about the size number. That always used to make me feel that I shouldn't be, but it's not. It's not you. It's making sure that that size fits you. End of story. Don't worry about the number. Yes. And I would say also from the beginning, just feel sort of, as I mentioned at the top of this little chat, feel empowered to alter the pattern. You know, you, you may be not your first pattern, but really quickly after you start sewing, you can do it. You can alter a pattern to make your, make it fit better for yourself. You are the boss. The pattern designer is not the boss and Google some alterations, reach out to folks online, see what you can learn about making the pattern fit yourself better. That's really good information. Thanks, Maria. (laughs) And, you know, you're talking from experience. You've got the background where you've done your training and you're doing your training at the moment. Hopefully listeners out there have picked up some really good ideas on how to get themselves started or restarting their sewing journey. You know, not being able to find patterns is what's hindering them. Yes, I hope so. I hope it encourages any beginners that are intimidated to to jump in and get started. I know there's not patterns and sizes for everyone yet, but I hope we're going to get there. And, you know, you've given some really good information there. Hashtags, what hashtags should we be looking at? Because that's how people can start to get an idea of places to go, etc. So in terms of hashtag, I would say any variation of sewing sewist and sews with curvy, fat, and plus-sized is going to get you a lot of information. Wow. Thank you so much, Megan. Yeah, thanks, Maria. It was great to chat. And see, that's the value of Socialist Podcast. You get a lot of information from people who have gone down the path and are willing to share it because that's what the sewing community is all about. Yes, I agree. And I really appreciate that you're doing this podcast and are committed to releasing it so frequently. It's really impressive. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I really you enjoyed hearing, you know, and it's so fun that you're interviewing people from all over the world. Really been fun to hear from a lot of different people that I was not following and people that weren't even on my radar. Oh, okay. Thank you, Megan. Yeah. And I'm hoping that your first podcast experience today has been a relatively easy one. Yes, it was. Yes. Thank you. I hope I didn't talk too fast, but you put a lot of effort into today in providing all this information to our listeners, our socialist podcast listeners. So thank you very much. Yes, no problem. It was fun. And have a lovely day, listeners. This episode of Soul Organized Style Podcast was produced for the socialists by me, Maria Theharis, with permission of Megan 
soundbybandsound.com. You can subscribe to Soul Organized Style Podcast, but with an S, not a Z, on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and all good podcast apps. Post any questions or suggestions you have on the Socialist Instagram account or on the Socialist website, socialist.com. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.